listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Let the Bible Speak. I count it a tremendous privilege to be able to bring the Word to you week by week, and I don't take for granted the fact that you listen. It is my prayer and earnest desire that the Word of God would be impacting your soul and enabling you to live for the Lord. And perhaps some of you listening are still outside of Christ. It is my desire that you come to know and love the Lord. It's also my desire for the the people of God that you grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Today we're returning to our new series on praying personally. Personal prayers make up much of the content of the Psalms. Prayers such as deliver me and save me, have mercy upon me and cleanse me. There are several words used alongside the word me in the book of Psalms. It is the privilege of the child of God to be able to talk personally to the Lord, to bring their problems and their experiences to God in the place of prayer. And so that's our desire that as we study these Psalms together, that we would know that closer walk with God. To that end today, we're going to look at some words at the end of the 19th Psalm. I'm going to read from the verse number 7. Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And so says the word of God, and let's ask God's help. Now, in a word of prayer as we come to think about this portion of Scripture together. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for this privilege, this opportunity to be considering the Word of God today. And I ask, O Lord, that as we study it, that this would be a benefit to all who hear. And so bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In our personal walk with God in this world, one of the greatest burdens carried by the child of God is their remaining sin. We face many trials and sorrows that would drive us to our knees, but our sin often brings profound pain and misery. That is the way it ought to be. There ought to be that reality in the child of God that the sin that put our Saviour on the cross would cause us tremendous grief when we find ourselves falling back into that sin. We're aware of the grief caused by So many of life's tragedies by bereavement and ill health, the loss of a job or the breakup of a relationship, these these things will cause us much pain and much distress. But our sin is that which is an offence against the Holy God, the God who loved us and 
and did give his son for us. And so when we think about our sin, well, that sin should cause us pain and distress. And out of that pain, we we look to the Lord. Uh, the psalmist would express this later on in the Psalm 51. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. The book of Romans in the seventh chapter gives an insight into Paul's experience where he says in verse number 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul in that chapter describes his love for the law of the Lord. It was a love after the inward man. And yet in the same portion of scripture, he describes the pain and the agony of a realization that he did not obey the law of God in the way that he'd like to. That there were times when he wanted to do what was right and find himself doing what was wrong. And so we do see in the word of God the pain and the misery of this experience. That in the will of God we battle in this world with our remaining sin. That is God's purpose for the child of God. But yet in our experience we find this a trial and a difficulty. And as such it is a blessing to read the words of the psalmist who brings the matter of his sin before the Lord in prayer. He describes his desire in verse number 12 of the Psalm 19, Cleanse thou me from secret faults. And then verse 13, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. These prayers, they flow out of a consideration of the law of God. The Psalm 19 is made up of two parts. The first part dealing with the subject of of general revelation, The heavens declare the glory of God. The fact that we know from the created order there are many things that are revealed regarding God's eternal power and Godhead. And yet in verse number 7, the psalmist turns attention from general revelation to the special revelation of the law of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. And in those verses he describes the scriptures, the law, the testimony, the statutes, the commandment, the fear, the judgments. All of these are descriptions of the law of God and he describes the law of God in in, in so positive a way it's perfect, it makes wise the simple it rejoices the heart, enlightens the eyes it is a consideration of the law of God and its perfection that provokes guilt in the heart of man we see ourselves as being against the law of God and walking afar off but it is in the law of God that we see the perfection of God and we see how unlike God we are and We have that sense of guilt and rebellion against the Lord. In the same sense, when we see the law, there is a concern for godliness. We we want to live like this. We see that the law of God is perfect. We see that it does indeed enlighten the eyes. And so there is this desire to walk in these ways. As the psalmist says, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. This desire comes by grace, this desire It is not worked in us of our own selves. It is God's work in our hearts. But the desire is there in the child of God. Hence these prayers, they flow out of an understanding of the law of God. Like Paul, the child of God delights in the law of God after the inward man. And so therefore, as we understand our sins, so there is this bringing of our sins to the Lord in prayer. In the words of the psalmist, cleanse thou me from secret faults and keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. And so as we look at this matter of personal sins and personal prayers, let me note to begin with the difficulty here. The verse number 12 begins with a question, who can understand his errors? Who can know 
his sin. That's the thought here. Who can possibly know all of their sins? The perfection and the spirituality of God's law render it almost impossible for a fallen man of Adam even to know all the innumerable instances of his transgressing it. Those are the words of the commentator Horn. The psalmist himself says, I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. We don't know the depth of God's law. We don't understand the application of God's law. Hence, there is this sense, this difficulty. Who can understand his errors? That, in turn, leads to the prayer, Cleanse thy me from secret faults. Secret. Secret sins. They're not secret to God. God understands us and knows us in the inner man. He knows our very hearts. He can see the heart of man. So are they secret sins, as in sins that are not performed in public? Private sins? Sins known only by the one performing the act? Are they secret, as in sins of the heart? As in sins of thought and mind, but not sins of actions? Well, of course, these sins, they do require cleansing. Private sins, sins of the hearts, they require cleansing and they require the forgiveness of God. So therefore, a prayer for cleansing would be entirely appropriate and necessary. But here, the idea is of sins, sins committed that are not known by ourselves. Sins that are secret to us. What the Bible refers to as sins of ignorance There is a contrast in the word of God between sins of ignorance and sins that are presumptuous. You have that in Numbers chapter 15 and the verse number 29 where it says, Ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance. And then in verse number 30, But the soul that doeth aught presumptuously. So there is this contrast between sins of ignorance and sins of presumption. And it is, of course, significant that in verse number 13, our psalmist refers to presumptuous sins. And so it seems to be the case that the secret sins of verse number 12 are alongside the presumptuous sins of verse number 13. Hence, the sins of verse number 12, the secret sins, are sins of ignorance. Andrew Bonnard, the commentator commenting on Leviticus chapter 4, which has, again, significant detail regarding sins of ignorance, says this, The sin through ignorance is the same that David prays against in Psalm 19, verse number 12. These are not sins of omission, but acts committed by a person when, at the time, he did not suppose that what he did was sin. Although he did the thing deliberately, yet he did not perceive the sin of it. So deceitful is sin that we may be committing that abominable thing which cast angels into an immediate and eternal hell, and yet at the moment be totally unaware. Want of knowledge of the truth, and too little tenderness of conscience hide it from us. Hardness of heart and a corrupt nature cause us to sin unperceived. And so that's the very helpful definition of Bonner regarding these matters of sins of ignorance. He's making the point that we do not know the law of God fully. We're not accurate in our understanding of the mind of God and his law. And we don't know how to apply it properly. And we don't judge ourselves accurately. We're soft in our conscience. We can be overly generous in our assessments of our heart. I remember coming to a fuller understanding of what it meant to keep the Lord's Day. As a teenager, I thought it meant 
not playing soccer and don't doing my school homework and not going shopping. And then I saw from Isaiah chapter 58 and verse number 13 that I had to guard even what I spoke about on that day, not my own words on God's holy day. And so as we come and develop our understanding of the word of God, so then our understanding of sin increases and there are things that we did in the past that we did not perceive to be things against the will of God. And so with this difficulty of knowing our sins, there is this desire that comes from the heart of the psalmist, cleanse thy me from secret faults. This word cleanse is connected to the word for innocent in verse number 13. And so this desire for cleansing is a desire for purity. It is a desire for forgiveness. You think of Psalm 51, wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Forgiveness, cleansing from the defilement of sin and the guilt of sin. The cleansing picture was used in the old covenant regarding a removal of that which would defile the person and keep the person from the presence of God. Oh, the psalmist here recognizes the depth of sin, realizes that sin brings about defilement. Sins due to a lack of knowledge, sins of ignorance are still sins. We need redemption. We need the blood applied. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Psalm 51 verse number 7. The true child of God recognizes that even sins of ignorance brings defilement in the presence of God. Oh, we we mustn't despair here. You think of the practice of the Roman Catholic in the confessional and the obligation to confess every sin. Such is utterly impossible. There are sins that we do not even know about. Christ knows all of our sins. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. It is only by running to Christ in the gospel that we can ever know cleansing from all of our sins, even those sins that we do not know about. If I can continue the words of Andrew Bonner in his comments on Leviticus chapter 4, he says this, But here again the form of the Son of Man appears. Jehovah, God of Israel, institutes sacrifice for sins of ignorance, and thereby discovers the same compassionate and considerate heart that appears in our high priest, who can have compassion on the ignorant. Hebrews 5 verse 2. Amidst the types of this tabernacle, we recognize the presence of Jesus. It is, his, it is his voice that shakes the curtains and speaks in the ear of Moses, if a soul shall sin through ignorance. Oh, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is indeed atonement, as atonement for our sins of ignorance. Oh, the true Christian hates all sins. The Christian is not content to sin in secret or sin in privacy. The Christian desires purity from all of their sins, even those sins which they are not aware of at the time of committing. So the difficulty that the psalmist expresses here is who can understand his errors. He then goes on to consider a danger. In the verse number 13, he says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. The psalmist is concerned that if he continues in presumptuous sins, then he will end up falling away from the Lord in great transgression. 
What a tragedy it is for someone to be so consumed with sin that they end up abandoning their walk with God and fall into eternal ruin. The word presumptuous used in the verse number 13 speaks of sins committed out of pride. The English term presumptuously is used also in Numbers 15 and Deuteronomy chapter 17. And in those verses it speaks of sin that is with a high hand. Literally, that's what it means. And the man that will do presumptuously. In other words, the man that will act with a high hand. And will not hearken unto the priest that standeth the minister there before the Lord thy God. Or unto the judge, even that man shall die. And thou shalt put away the evil from Israel. When you read the Old Testament, you see the Old Testament law warns of the seriousness of this sin. The seriousness of sinning with a high hand. One devotional says this, A high-handed sin is one a professing believer commits boldly and defiantly, not caring about the consequences and feeling no guilt about it once committed. It is a sin people commit fearlessly as they shake their fists literally or figuratively at the Lord. Once more we find ourselves dealing with the subject of sin and apostasy. A true believer can commit serious sin in the eyes of God. Oh, a true believer cannot fall away. But there are those who profess to know the Lord. And as they continue in their sins, so they do fall away. They fall away from their profession. They fall away from what they thought was a relationship with the Lord. It is a fearful thing to commit presumptuous sins. To sin against light and conscience. Consider the two great apostles, Peter and Paul. Paul, in describing his sin as he persecuted the church of Christ, says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 13, He was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He holds on to the mercy of God in light of his sin that was sin committed in ignorance. Still grossly sinful. His understanding was deficient. His understanding of the Messiah and his understanding of the will of God was very deficient. And so his sin was committed, but he describes it as being done ignorantly. Peter, however, as he denies the Lord, well, he knew the law. He knew that he ought not to deny Christ. He had been warned about the very sin. But he sins nonetheless. You see, the matter is that there are sins that are committed presumptuously with a high hand. And there are sins that are committed in ignorance. Now the danger that David expresses here is more difficult to be certain about. What does he mean? I shall be innocent from the great transgression if he's kept from presumptuous sins. Well, many look at it as an Old Testament reference to some unpardonable sin. But it may simply be a general reference to the danger of high-handed sinning. When the believer sins with a high hand, so they sear their conscience. And perhaps the psalmist thought is the danger of sinning beyond recovery. In First Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, How the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It is this idea of a seared conscience, a conscience that is not perceptive, to sin. What a dangerous thing it is to sin and sin and sin. And so that sin has no weight upon your soul, you can commit the sin without having any trouble of conscience. And the psalmist knows this danger. And so he prays. His desire is expressed. 
keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. He's praying for a restraint of his passions and a restraint of his lusts. I think this is equivalent to the Lord's teaching in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Do not allow sin to overcome us. Remember the context. Knowing the perfection of the law of God leads the child of God to a great concern for personal holiness. They've come to love the law. They've come to love the Lord's way. And so it is their desire to be kept back from presumptuous sins. You see, the personal prayers of the child of God with respect to sin are not only for forgiveness, but they are for the grace to forsake sin and to flee from it. The true child of God will not sin with a high hand and then continue to go back to God for cleansing. Rather, the true child of God, when they sin, will confess their sins, will cry to God for cleansing, but will also cry to God for the grace to be kept back from presumptuous sins. It is a blessing that we have that we can go to the Lord knowing that he hears our prayers and is pleased to answer our prayers and keep us back from such high-handed sinning. And so in these words, these verses, we've thought about the difficulty expressed, namely who can understand his errors, the danger is also expressed. And then finally, the psalmist expresses his delight. In the verse 14, he describes the Lord, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The psalmist, his delight is in the Lord. You see, in this world, our sin must be prayed over. The experience of sin is very difficult. It must be taken to the Lord. Many complain about their sins and leave it there. Others give up altogether. Uh, They say there is no point in trying to live a righteous life. There is no point in trying to defeat, defeat sin. No, the child of God will take their sin to the Lord in prayer. And they will do so from their heart. Note the heart in this prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. The child of God They bring their heart to God in prayer when it comes to their sins. And when it comes to our sins, that heart that comes to God in prayer is a broken heart. It's a heart that feels the weight of grieving God. It's a heart that has the desire to know purity of heart. Not just a conformity of behaviour, but a heart that loves God and loves the Lord. There is a heart in this prayer. And there is also finally hope in this prayer. His delight is in the Lord, in that the Lord is his hope. The Lord is his strength and his redeemer. It is because the Lord redeems and delivers us that the Lord is able to forgive us our sins. He sent forth Christ to die on the cross that the price of our redemption could be paid. And as our redemption is paid, so the Lord is our redeemer. He is the one that pardons us and sees that we are forgiven of all of our sins. He is my Redeemer, and He is my strength. He is able to keep us back from presumptuous sins. Oh, for the child of God, the desire and the lust to sin sometimes is very, very strong, and they find themselves running with a determined fashion to sin. But God is able to put His arm in front of us and to keep us back from presumptuous sins. He is able to enable us to live 
by faith in the Son of God. The Lord is able to keep us from turning back and he's able to keep us from falling into sin. In fact, let me put it this way. It is only because of God's strength that we do not fall into presumptuous sins. The sin principle in our soul is strong. Our desire to sin is strong. But it is because of God's grace that we are kept back from presumptuous sins. That is our hope. That is our confidence. The Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And so while the walk of the child of God is a difficult walk in the midst of their sins, we have the confidence, we have the hope and the delight of a God that hears and answers prayer. And so whatever sin comes across your path, may God enable you to take it to the Lord in prayer. And as we close this broadcast, let me pray with you now. Let me pray for you and that as you are listening, the Lord will give you help to see your sin and to flee from that sin for the glory of Christ and indeed for the good of your own never-dying soul. Let's just pray together. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, as we think about sin today, I thank you immediately for the work of Christ Jesus. We thank you for sending your Son into this world and giving him the name Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. We thank you for Christ's work on the cross. We thank you that as his blood was shed, so that blood is able to cleanse us from every sin. We thank you for the forgiveness that we know, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And thank you also for the power of Christ, that as he sends forth his Spirit, so by his Spirit we are enabled to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And we pray, O Lord, that every listener here would know your help, enabling them to trust in Christ, and that they would know your help enabling them to defeat sin, every sin. I pray for the churches of this area. I pray for churches that would teach sin and preach against sin and preach Christ as the only saviour of sinners. I pray, O Lord, for a revival of biblical Christianity. I pray again for a, a restoration of the preaching of the law of God and the preaching of Christ as the one who is only able to save the sinner. So bless us today. We thank you for this time together and we pray for every listener that they would know grace and peace praying in Jesus' precious and everlasting name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.